0: Hello and welcome to Grace Life Stella Bosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity.
1: While I was praying this morning, I I, uh, I saw uh, I saw a picture of. Um, you know, when, when it was COVID, they had these things that you walk through, tunnels kind of thing at some of the buildings, and then they spray stuff on you to make sure that you don't kill people. So um, I saw kind of a thing like that. And, and at the bottom door, when people come to church, when you walk through that, um, people come with a lot of stuff. And when they walk through that, they didn't have the stuff anymore with them. They left it outside. but it, it looked like if each person come in with something like a plate. Um, I couldn't see what's on the plate, but it's something like a plate. So um, each person come here to serve. You bring something mm. and then we serve each other at the service. We don't come here like orphans and come and sit and wait for something to be given to us. We come to serve with what we have. I don't take Darman's plate and serve other people. I serve what's on my plate. That's good. i brought. So um, it it, uh, it ties in with 1 Corinthians 14, um, verse 26. I read it from the Passion. It says, Beloved friends, what does all this imply? When you conduct your meetings, you should always let everything be done to build up the church family. So we come here, not for us. Mm. We come here to build up the church family. Everything we do is not an exception. Um, And then it says, whether you share a song of praise, a teaching, a divine revelation, or a tongue and an interpretation, means that everyone has a plate. You have something that you bring here. And it says, let each one contribute what strengthens others. So this is a great collaboration when we come together. Um, In a previous sermon, Peter said, church is not for unbelievers. So we are all believers. So every one of us brings something so that we collaborate. And when the service is finished, but Peter stops preaching, it doesn't stop. Then we serve each other again. So I'm looking forward to the service that we have today.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, so we're talking on rest, and what does spiritual rest look like? What does rest look like? Um, And, I mean, it's a good time to preach on it, because it's holidays. Amen? (laughs) So let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you are awesome. Thank you that you are for us, Lord. Thank you that you are a good God. Thank you that you want us to be at rest, Lord. Thank you, Father, that... Yeah, we can just uh, tune into your Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, right now that you lead us and guide us into all truth. Father, that you are the helper, that you are the teacher, and that you bring revelation to us this morning. Not of new things, but of a new way of seeing the things as they've been. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I really have a revelation to share with you this morning. And um, the thing about a revelation is that it's nothing new. A revelation is only revealing what already is. And I think that's important for us to know. Like when I got a revelation of grace, grace wasn't new. I just saw it afresh. I saw it new. I saw it for the first time. And um, what are we sharing on? is, Is is rest and the resting place. And this is part two. But I want to read from Exodus 33. Okay, Exodus 33 and verse 14 says, "And he said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest." My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. That sounds like something New Testament, doesn't it? That sounds amazing. That sounds like what we have preaching on the last few months, like the presence, the power, the, 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 um, and prayer. So when there's power, it's because there's presence, but now when there's presence, the presence of God brings rest. The word rest there in the Hebrew means to rest, to settle down, and to remain. So when God's presence comes on us, it is not leaving. I mean, It's not like in the Old Testament where it was the Spirit upon and then the Spirit left and the Spirit came and the Spirit gone. No, this is a rest. It is a resting place and it is a presence that goes with us because where we go, God goes. Amen. I it is a settling down and a remaining. So when we have what we title this series as the resting place, guess who the resting place is? It's not God, <laughs> it's you. You and I, we are the resting place of God. I mean, we should find our rest in Him, definitely. But God is not looking for the next chapter. God is not looking for something new. I know Isaiah 49 says God's about to do something new. Guess what? He's done it. God is not doing a new thing again. He's done the new thing. The new thing was Christ. The new thing was the outpouring of the Spirit. The new thing was the Spirit that remains. Amen? I'm the only one excited here this morning. Joel 3, verse 18. Again, Old Testament prophecy. And it shall come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drop down new wine. Just think about that picture. Mountains dropping down wine. The hills shall flow with milk. And all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters. And a fountain shall come forth, where? Of the house of the Lord. And shall water the valley of Shittim. Now, the Valley of Shittim is before they cross the Jordan. It is a dry desert place. It's full of thorn trees. So it is not good. It is a picture of the world. It's the picture of unbelievers. It is a picture of of self-centeredness. I've been studying a bit about thorns and prickles and all of that. And you really know what it is. It is, don't eat of me. Stay away. It's a protective mechanism because I don't have enough as a tree or as a plant. A cactus is i don't have enough water so don't come close that's the same with the acacia tree i mean if there's some uh, more clever people in the room i'm sure and i'm sure there's more uh, reasons for it but really one of the reasons one of the purposes of 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 thorns and is to keep um to keep away to self preserve now that is how we were before christ amen anyone were like that before christ i don't have much to give like, don't, just don't take anything. The, the, the load is too heavy. I can't. I, I've been poured out. Now we say, like, now guess what? Where the thorns were, now there is a river flowing. And where does the river flow from? This is amazing. It flows forth from the house of the Lord. Okay, so they didn't go and build a temple for it to flow. Now, even if they did, who today is the temple? We are the temple. So what is the temple? The temple is where God stays. Amen? So if you are the temple, and now the river flows from the house of God, where does it flow from? Okay, so where we go, what goes with us? God, but what? There's a flow. There's a flow of the river of life. It comes from a fountain, the fountain of life, which is the Holy Spirit. So when we encounter those people who are a bit thorny... Anyone knows some thorny people? <laughs> some easy... They, they're pricklish, they, they're easily upset, they're unbelievers sometimes... It means that we have something to give them. We don't need to keep them at arm's length. No, there is no longer a thorn in the draw and a drought because there's no drought. Now there's a flood, amen, of this beautiful fountain that comes forth from the house of the Lord, which is also it's you, but it's us. You know, one of the um, the main things that I've been meditating on re- lately is Colossians one twenty seven says Christ in you, the hope of glory. It doesn't say Christ in me. It says Christ in us. It's plural. In English, we use you for you, singular, and you, plural. In um, Colossians one twenty seven, the you there is plural. So it's Christ in me, yes, but it's also Christ in you. And it's Christ in us. It's Christ in and among us. So when we come together, we don't just have Christ in me, but now we have Christ in you, and in you, and in you, and in B- um, Barton, and Bernard, and Wendy, and Patricia, everyone. Anthea, we've got Christ in us. In other words, word says, where two or more gather in my name, what happens there? God shows up. No. That's how we think. He's already there, but now He's not just in me. Say me. Come stand here. So Christ is in Him. Okay? Yes, I know. I've, I've, I've made sure. No. <laughs> it's our job to make sure. Christ is in me. Okay, if you don't realize that, then I don't know why you're here. Amen. <laughs> but now we're two or more gathered together. Why did we gather here this morning? Because of Jesus. Amen? So we're in His name. Now Christ is here. Christ is here. But Christ is also here. Where two or more gather together in my name, there I am in the midst of you. So He's in the midst of me. He's in the midst of Him. But now Paul says, I wish to come to you so that there will be a mutual beneficial, effectual faith, both to you and I. So Paul, the man with all the revelation and all the power, says, I want to come to a gathering, I want to come to a church, I want to come to a believing people, because it's going to benefit me. Now, Paul didn't come to, say, Romans, the Roman church to come get a teaching, did he? I'm sure he came to give a teaching. But he said there's a blessing between you and I. Why? Because when it's Paul alone in prison by himself, it's Christ in me, Christ in Paul. But now when it's Paul and Silas together in prison, what happens? It's Christ in him, Christ in Silas, Christ among them. You can go, So thank you. So that really is what we have to see. Like, and and I, we believe, I believe this is important. This is a, 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 a timeiest word for us because of what we see in a digital online world. Now, what has happened with these VR goggles? No one but me. Nothing but what I want. Like, it's like horses who, who don't look around. So we need to be aware of the subtleties of our um, generation that is not so subtle anymore. So we can all put VR masks on and have a joint venture church. That's like You can be anywhere around the world and we can be in the same room, technically. I don't know yet how that's going to work, amen? but for now I'm happy to be here with you in person. <laughs> so that I can lay hands on you, pray for you, that I can hear God for you as we go about this. So now we are fountains. The church gathering I really see is, is, is where the fountain is. It's where we come to drink. And now that says, now there's rivers flowing from there. So as you leave here today, I want you to see yourself as a river that's full of the power, the love, and the presence of God. So as we go out, we are rivers. Now we're taking conduits full of water. We become the conduits that flood the waters into the dry desert places, into the lives of the unbelievers. And next week we come back with our testimonies and we we, we celebrate not how great we are, but how great He is. Amen? Because He is the fountain of life. He is the one who, who brings into what we need. So Isaiah 43 says from verse 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. I tasted you and no one said amen. Well done. <laughs> now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give a drink to my people, my chosen. Let's just take an admin break quickly. What is a chosen person of God? It's someone to, who, who chose to be a person of God. How did they become? How did you become a child of God? You chose. What did you, cho- what did you choose? You chose to believe. So you heard the gospel and you chose to believe. You're chosen. Well done. Some people have not heard. Are they not chosen? No, they haven't yet chosen. Because they haven't yet heard. Amen? Do you agree with me? For God so loved the world, amen, that whosoever, already there, you're going to stumble. God loves everyone. God wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Here's another verse for you. So, 21, this people have formed for myself, and they shall sing forth or show forth my praises. Okay? So, before these guys entered into the promised land, there's prophecy of how they're going to cross the Jordan, how they're going to flood dry and desert places. Now, I want to ask you this question. Do you think that there's a better rest yet to come for the believer? Be careful. We have scriptures like Hebrews 4 that says that we need to labor to enter into rest. Okay? Now, the famous verse in Matthew 11:28, 28, and the message translation is probably the most famous. It says, come to me, all you are weary... And heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will put nothing ill-fitting on you, or like, come join in my yoke. Oh, and we preach that in November, you know, when we're tired, when it's the last mile, when we need to push through. I want to challenge that this morning, because Christ has become what? Our Sabbath. Okay, what is Sabbath? Sabbath is rest. The verse we started off with in Exodus said that where my presence is, there is rest. So now we say, okay, Jesus says in Matthew 11:28, Come to me if you're weary, heavy laden, downtrodden, if you're burdened. Okay? Believer, where is Christ? Christ is in you. That's why there's hope. Amen? Hope for you, hope for the world. So how can you turn to Christ if Christ is already on the inside of you? How can you come to where you already are? You see, I said, like, you need to be careful with your answer, because I've been challenged this week in my preparation that I think, I have thought that there is this rest to come. And now Hebrews 4 speaks about it, and we'll have to debunk that just a little bit. Today is a bit more of a teaching. I'm glad the, the, the verse that um, Bar and you spoke of when you have a teaching or a doctrine in uh, 1 Corinthians 14. So Hebrews 4 and verse one says, "Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into His rest." So already, there it creates this fear. It creates almost this this scarcity, or can I be sure, or is there something that I'm not getting into, since a promise remains? So we think he is writing to believers, and then there's this promise that remains, and we think heaven is a nice planet or island where we're going to have final rest and then we say when people die rest in peace I want to say rest in peace live in peace Jesus didn't he say my peace I leave with you so when when you die no, when you die to yourself it's no longer I who live but Christ now lives where in me okay so if I'm heavy and downtrodden and heavy laden uh, where must I turn to you cannot go anywhere you cannot go to Christ because you have come to Christ Now, there's obviously a mindset to it. There's a renewing of the mind to this truth. But I want to show you the truth, and then hopefully you will go in this week and renew your mind to the truth. Amen? Because what we have as Christians is all we're going to get. The only thing you're going to get more is a new body. Amen? This body will be sown as a seed, and you'll have a a new body. The Word says that clearly. But it doesn't mean you're going to have more rest. You might have less pain. Fewer issues. But your spiritual condition is not going to change. Because John 17.3 says, what is eternal life? To know God. Okay, who here knows God? Genoskos, Intimate knowledge and understanding. Becoming one with. Okay? So, are you living eternal life? You are. Your mind and your body might not be aware of it, but your spirit and soul should start to get there. Your soul should awaken up to the spiritual reality. So, if you are living eternity, what are you waiting for? We cannot wait for this rest to come because it's not going to come. It has come. That's past tense. Amen. It's a challenging thought because we're waiting for a better time, but the better time has come. We just need to wake up to it. You see, when Colossians 1 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 2 says in verse 9 to 11, it says that everything that is in God is in Christ. Okay, so where is Christ? In you. Okay, so what do you need? Then verse 10 says, you are complete in him. Is Christ the Sabbath? Yes. So is the Sabbath in you? So what are you waiting for? When are you going to start resting? Now, resting is not passivity. Okay, we work, we labor not to enter into rest. The word labor there in Hebrews 4 speaks of make double sure, pay due diligence. What does it say really, I believe, is it says that make sure that you are saved. Now I've been a Christian for a long time, but I made sure that I was saved in 2007. And when I was sure that I was saved, my life changed. There was a fire on the inside of me that's still burning. Amen. So the last stat that Shane um, got on, on the the global stature and state of the church is that I think it's 30 to 33 percent people worldwide claim to be Christian. So what the, the the stats further says then is only ten percent is believed to be truly born again. You can sit in church and not be born again. So I'm asking you: Have you entered into the rest? And we do have to go through the verses. I'm now jumping into it a bit fast. But let there us therefore fear, because already that fear is since um, in, in the King James, and New King James misses that. But let us fear lest any of you... You see, it's not, I don't need to fear that I don't have all that God has for me. That's the problem that we, how we read Hebrews 4. Or how I've read it. Let me speak for myself. Now it says in verse, um, verse 2, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Okay, so what was preached? The gospel. What does Romans 16 say? Why not? Unto what? Salvation. What is salvation? To be saved. Okay, so if the gospel is preached, what is the result if we mix faith to it? Salvation. So what we say is, if we've heard the gospel, if we've mixed it with faith, if we've gotten born again, there's nothing more to get. Amen. 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 I mean, all the, all the other parts you'll have to say amen, but I know this challenged me, so it's going to challenge you. But the words which they heard did not profit them. Why? Because not being mixed with faith with those who heard it, the unbelievers... So the context here is those who believe the gospel and those who've heard the gospel and do not believe. But we should fear, we should be driven by the fact that some people are not born again. Because they are missing out on the true rest that's going to live with us for eternity. And I was thinking about it this week. How tired must an unbeliever be? How tired must an unbeliever be not to be sure any night that you go to bed that if anything happens tonight, I'm not sure where I'm going. I don't have the true north. I don't have a compass. I don't have forgiveness. I don't have acceptance. I don't have identity. I don't have the peace of God. I don't have what I need. I don't have what my heart longs for. Ecclesiastes says that eternity is in the hearts of men. And we don't have the answer to that. It says they did not profit them. Now, What we get from this context is if we have faith in the gospel, we have entered into rest. Anyone with me? Now, another thing that blessed me so much yesterday is, I remember when faith, for me, or my understanding of faith, was a massive burden. Anyone relating? Carly says he relates. We need a bigger building. We need to have faith. We're not having faith if we stay where we are. We need to have more finances. How much am I giving? Am I giving enough? Am I showing faith? I'm not really healed, but I say I am. I proclaim I am. I in that I am, but I'm not really healed. So on the inside of me, there's a burden to perform. And I've realized yesterday, and I was, I was, like, I was almost worshiping, how free I've become of that burden. Because faith, according to Hebrews 4... I believe says that when you have faith in the gospel, you have entered into rest. So now you live as you've received. As you've received the Lord Jesus Christ, now walk in Him. So what the church worldwide has done, it's made faith two parts. The faith to be saved and the faith to live by. But the scripture clearly says it's the way that you've received is the way that you should live. So I didn't perform to get saved. Amen? The worst day of my life I got saved. <laughs> what a testimony. I love it. Literally the worst day, the day that I made the most horrible decisions, that's the day God's love just overwhelmed me, saved me. So I know the love of God. I know that I'm saved because when I was a mess, He, he cleaned up this mess good. Amen? So I did not perform to get saved. I believed. You know what I believed? There was a song playing at a rock show that said, I fail." I I can broken, my heel weer." That's the gospel. The second song after that was, There's a Light, Come to the Light, an Afrikaans. I was like, God, this is anointed, man. And it was. But that is, I received in rest. I was standing with my legs in the water, praising God at rest. The next morning, I woke up with that same song my friend in the tent played it. I went back to the beach. Amen. I stand in the water. and I said, Lord, I'm still committed as I was last night. It wasn't an emotional thing. This is true. This is who I am now. I'm new. So those who have not mixed what? The gospel with faith. Okay, so faith really is for the gospel. What the work of God is to believe. Yes, what? The word of God. The gospel. Now that we know that if we understand the gospel, we don't need more teaching on faith. And I know I'm of a younger generation than some of you, and there's been great moves of faith. But I've sat on airplanes in the United States with people who's completely burned out by faith teaching. Because it put the burden on them, not on God. Amen. Faith brings rest. Why can I operate in faith? Because I know that I know that I know that I'm a son of God. What I've realized is that if I understand my authority... Some of the guys, I shared my testimony on Tuesday. So I had a growth in my eye. Some of you might have seen it. And I prayed for Jordan's wart on his shoulder, and after a few weeks it disappeared. And I was looking in the mirror, and I was talking to this, which looked like a wart right here on my eyelid, like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And it didn't go away, and I was agitated. And I was frustrated. I was like, you know, sometimes your faith works for others, but you struggle to... Applied. It's like a, a, a pre- the preacher's curse. You, you think you can have faith for other people, but not for yourself. And, and I, I sort of gave up. And you can ask my sister, and I said, Listen, where's an. Uh, uh, optoma- what is it? Uh? Not an optometrist. The, the, the guy who's going to cut your eye. That guy. <laughs> and she said, Send me a photo. And I'm so glad I sent her a photo because now there's evidence. And I sent her the photo, and she did great research for me. And um, she said, no, you have to go see a specialist. She spoke to guys who are studying it and who's fifth year uh, specializing. and You have to go, and you're probably going to have to go for a day procedure. So I was like, okay, then it makes sense to rather come to Stellenbosch because sometimes going to have to drop me. I made a phone call. They didn't answer. And I was like, Jordan's bir- oh, Bradley's birthday, I'll get to it. I took a moment somewhere in that. And I said, I'm going to try once more. And I looked in the mirror, but I spoke to my body. And I said to my body, this growth is unwelcome. It's an intruder. Rejected. And I got on with life raising boys, making parties for a first birthday, everything. And I think it was last Sunday morning, I looked in the mirror and it was gone. It was gone. And I said to my sister, did you see? And she said, it's the first thing I saw. And medically speaking, she said to me, there's no reason that it should be gone. It's not like something that comes and goes. Now, what I've learned in this is when I tapped into my authority, I have authority over this vehicle, over this body. And I said to my body, take my instruction and reject this growth. So what I used to think is that authority unlocks faith. Okay? Anyone with me? So I spoke to my eye, so therefore faith ris up, and then faith did... I don't know the healing. Who did the healing? The dunamis power of God on the inside of me did the healing. Amen? But what I realized is that authority doesn't unlock faith. Operating in your authority is operating in faith. Let that just settle and then think about the centurion who came to Jesus and said, if you only speak, and the translations that you can study them out, some of them say because he understood authority, then Jesus says, I haven't seen greater faith. See, so when we come to rest in our identity, and if we come to rest in who we are, and we wake up to our authority, I'm not trying to be a son of God. I'm not trying to take authority or to reign over my body. I am a son of God. I am reigning over my body. I have the name of Christ. Then I can just speak. And the least effort I put into this healing and this journey, that's the healing when I understood authority, not when I named and proclaimed and looked in the mirror and kept on speaking. I know that works also, because somewhere I think you, 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 you tap into it. But I've eaten a chicken sandwich. Anyone, everyone have, has a chicken sandwich story or a chicken pie story. Okay, don't share the details. <laughs> I've got sometimes that it didn't work, so I'm not, this is not, a, I'm not there yet. But sometimes I'll eat this, and you, or you open the fridge, and that piece of chicken looks really nice, but you know it's day four. Only the guys are laughing and some ladies, okay? So you have a risk opportunity here, no? There's a, um, there's a, a risk and reward <laughs> decision here. So sometimes you take the risk, and then your body says, I'm not so happy with the risk that you've taken. What I've done in those instances is, is, is to just get quiet and speak to my body and says, Body, thank you for the warning sign. I appreciate it. I know what you're trying to tell me. This was a calculated decision, and I'm sure we're okay. (laughs) You're laughing now, it works. Why? Because I am the commanding driver, the force of this vehicle. I am in the driving seat. My body is not going to run me, I'm going to run my body. If you need a verse, Mark 16 says you'll eat any deadly thing or drink it, and it will not harm you. So there's a verse to back, but how do you apply that verse? You need to apply it through authority. So I can pray over Jordan's body, but I cannot make him sleep. Why? Because there's free will. So I can pray healing into his body, because legally speaking, I'm guarding over him. If he has a big issue that no one is taking care of him, I go to court. So legally, I've got authority, but he has free will. And that's where it becomes difficult in in, in church, even with healing and stuff, because you need to receive it. So the lady with the issue of blood, she understood authority. She knew that Jesus was the one in authority. He had the power. And she said to herself, so she put the rules of engagement down, if I only touch the hem of his garment, body, you're going to get healed. I'm going to touch Jesus and body, you'll get healed. And what happened? So she had authority over her body. She just put the draw on Christ. That was free will. So there was many people, we spoke of it a while back, that touched Jesus, but only one really drew from Him. Only one got healed in that instance. Okay. So now let's go back to Hebrews 4. And Hebrews 4 now says that when there's faith, there's rest or profit. Verse 3 says, For we which have believed do enter into rest, as He said. Okay, so... For we who have believed. Now, it gets difficult here, because it's still sort of trying to portray that you are somewhere, but that you need more. That you are somewhere, but that you need more rest. There's something to go to. Amen? Lest, sorry, verse 3. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the earth. We're going to have to jump around just some translations here to get it. So, verse 1 says in the Passion, Now God has offered us the same promise of entering into His realm of resting in confident faith. I love that. So, there's a promise of entering into the realm of resting in His confident faith. What is that? Being born again. Okay? Some of you are still frowning. So, we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise And not fail to experience it. So, what I can get out of that translation is how do we embrace the promise? We receive it, we get born again. But then he spares, then there is an experience of the promise. That's renewal of the mind. Another prophecy, another laying on of hands, another meeting, another conference is not going to enter you into rest. Unless you use that conference, that meeting, that prayer, that prophecy to renew your mind. So yes, I agree that we're not all experiencing the fullness of what God has given. Listen to my wording very carefully. But God is not going to give anything more. If we still need rest, does it mean that we are complete? No, because the very nature of being complete means that, they, that you lack nothing. So Colossians 2 says that you are full and complete. Therefore, you lack nothing. So you do not lack more rest. What we need is to renew our minds to Christ, who's in us, who's become our Sabbath. Amen. You know, the word says in, in Genesis that God rested on the seventh day. It never says that he started working again. It never says that the seventh day ended. Yeah, exactly. But our mindset is, I need to work, so I'm going to get a day one again. On your day one, Adam and Eve day one, they want to get up and do stuff. God says rest. So it was God's day seven; it was man's day one. The Bible has one message. If you come to church regularly here, that is what we teach. Okay, so we cannot read Exodus thirty-three and not link it to Christ, where His presence is what is there. His rest. So where is Christ, believer? In you. What is that with him? Rest in peace. I spoke about faith and the pressure of that, and I'm so glad that I'm past that. And you know what? I'm seeing more. More manifestation. With much less effort. Verse 3. For those of us who believe who's with me (laughs) he's speaking to me now faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest for he has said i have was grieved with them and made a solemn oath they will never enter the calming rest of my spirit so in the desert there was a promise that they will not enter the rest of his spirit but we're not in the desert anymore god works uh, god's works have all been completed from the foundation of the world you see it was ready from day one where was the tree of life? Not day 1. Okay? What's a day? 5. 4. The tree of life. It was ready. That's the rest. It was in the garden in paradise. But man did not partake. Why man wanted to? Work. Now God says, "Okay, now you want to work. Work." Adam work the ground. Ladies, work your labor. I'm going into I'm going to give birth. I'm going into labor. Who chose that? Not, not God. Not me. <laughs> All the women said, not me either. Amen. <laughs> I'm going into labor. Why? Because it's hard work. Why? Because that's inherently what, I, what we want to do. So now we want to go to verse 4. Oh, and we say amen to verse 4 because verse 4 says... This it verse 4. Labor to enter into... Rest. Let me stick to my notes. It makes more sense. Now, what does Jesus come and do? He makes the unseen seen. Now, He makes the invisible visible. But He also makes the promises available. So, we did not have access to the garden and the tree of life. And now Jesus comes and Revelation says now he's restored full access to the garden and the tree of life. Okay? We've spoken about Matthew 11:28. So Hebrews 4 and verse 8. This is where this is where we get it. Hebrews 4 and verse 8. I want to see what the new King James has. Okay, so if you have a King James Bible, it will say, for if Jesus had given them rest. You can scroll on your phone and just agree with me if, that's you, if someone has that. And that's where we miss it. Because the word there is Yeshua. So now there's the promise of rest, which is Joshua, Yeshua in Jordan, or at the Jordan River, with Canaan in the Promised Land. And now Jesus says, that which was in part, I now bring in full. So if you only read the King James, it actually portrays that Jesus did not do a finished work. It says clearly, for if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterwards have spoken of another day. So what that immediately births in our heart is that Jesus brings good, but there's more to come. Because Jesus is speaking of another day. I'm sure he was speaking of another day. He was speaking of Pentecost. And that's the true rest, because now the Spirit is also at rest. Amen? The Passion says here that now if this promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua brought the people into the land, God would not have spoken later of another rest yet to come. So there was the rest of the promised land and if you read Joshua they didn't rest. They were fighting. So it wasn't a true rest but now in that he says there's rest but there's more rest to come. Yeshua, Joshua and now the true rest is Jesus. So Jesus is not bringing more rest. Jesus brought the rest. The rest of the rest. Amen. So we conclude, verse 9, that there is still a full and complete Sabbath rest waiting for believers to experience. And that's also where it sort of gets difficult, because now we think, where I am, there's more waiting. There's more that I need. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. You cannot read verse 9 without verse 8. So verse 8 says, there was a rest that Joshua brought... But there's more rest for those who believe in God. So, believer, there is no more rest for you to come. There was before you got born again. But now the true Yeshua, Jesus, brought the rest. And when he says, My peace I leave with you, I believe it includes that that rest. I've shared it before. Someone walked into the office where Chart worked years back and he said, What makes you different than I? Half past seven in the morning. And the child didn't know what to answer because he'd been ministering and praying for this guy and he just felt the Holy Spirit say, I've got a peace that you don't understand. And the guy said, you're the third person this week to tell me that. I want to get born again. I want that peace. He got born again that day. How tired must the unbeliever be? Mentally, physically. That's why they're always numbing with substance, With abuse. With performance, with business, with trying to be better, because there's there's a numbing, there's a yearning, there's a restlessness. Have you like been around unbelievers who's restless, always making decisions, always in a hurry, always? The fruit of the spirit is peace, patience, kindness, joy. So we cannot blame them because they're not operating in what they don't have. Okay, we need to get to verse eleven. This is very important. Verse nine: There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Verse ten: For he that is entered into his rest has also ceased from his own works, as God did from His. Okay, so this helps us again. So, for he or them who has entered his rest, whose rest? Capital H. Thank you. Christ's rest has himself also ceased from his works. So, I read that as God ceased from His works. Verse day seven. But now it goes on and it says, as God did from his. So it's not speaking of God who's resting. It's speaking of the person who's entered into God's rest himself has now stopped working. Okay, so if you've entered into the rest, what are you waiting for? There's nothing more to come. You see, we we have this picture of when Jesus comes. It's going to be shalala. You can shalala shandai now. Okay? You can enjoy the presence now. Because where the presence is, there's rest. Verse 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. This is where it gets tricky. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And I'll confess, you know, as a pastor, we get to do that. I've preached this wrong. I've preached that you're saved, but when you're restless, you are in unbelief. Which is true in a sense, but that's not the context. The context is salvation. If you make a big business decision and you're restless, or you're not at peace, it might be because you're in unbelief. But now, how would you labor to enter into that rest? Well, you put your head to the, to the Word and pray in tongues and get into... And that's all good, that's renewing the mind. But if we think labor brings birth, then you have been born again into eternal rest. So the word labor there, we need to look at it a bit. It speaks of making sure. Okay? It says, be diligent to enter into that rest. So what rest? The rest that we've been unpacking now from verse 1, which we've shown comes by the gospel and then faith, so it is salvation. So make sure that you are saved. Okay, That's what the message here is. Make sure that you are saved and then become aware of your new nature, your new identity, your new circumstance your new position which is renewal of the mind and like who's had to renew their minds and it it takes some work i'm sure but i'm not trying to add or i'm not looking for god to hand me more rest and peace i'm now looking to the inside and renewing my mind and the word to what i've got this is such a key thing because we're going to keep on waiting for god to give us more rest and peace it's not going to happen Okay, I made a a big statement here. I said, our rest is no longer dependent on God. The state of your mind is not dependent on God. How well you sleep at night has got nothing to do with God. It's got a lot to do with how you see God. It's got a lot to do with your revelation of what God has done. The word says, he gives his beloved sleep. Who's his beloved? Because why are we not sleeping? So he's not going to give it, he's given it. God's not going to heal you. God in you is the healer. Okay, Maybe that's a big statement, let's just clarify it. Don't just quote that verbatim. I didn't heal my eye. The power of God did. okay, But God didn't move to heal my eye. Jesus didn't move to heal the woman with the issue of blood. She did. Although that unsettles some of your... If we say that authority is faith, like God's not going to have more authority. He's got all the authority. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go. So God is healing. God healed my eye. God, no, God's power. You need to see it like the dunamis comes with the spirit. It's the enablement so I didn't do it I didn't name and proclaim it I did it it didn't work remember but it's when I realized that I have authority over my body and I've got the power of God Romans 11 says that the spirit who raised Christ from the dead now lives in me and is giving life to my mortal body but I have the authority so God cannot override my authority over my body that's a big statement so God cannot force your healing when you don't... I want to say want it, we want it, but when you don't operate in your authority. God is the respect, not the respecter of persons in the fact that He doesn't have favorites, we're all His favorite. But God respects your freedom, free will, and authority. The word says he stands at the door and knock. So who's got the authority to open the door? Not Jesus. Have you opened the door? Cuz if you open the door, then he's coming in. But until you do, he's going to keep knocking. This is just really like, I'm like, what a message. What a revelation. There's nothing more to get. There's a lot more to get in here. (laughs) You know, the problem is there's more to get out sometimes. Because heaven is not a planet. We'll teach on that soon. Neither is it Mauritius. The Passion says, verse 11, So then, we must give our all and be eager to experience this faith-rest-life. Okay? I'm, I'm 100% there. Study the Word. Pray in tongues. Come to church. Come to ministry night. Do life group. So that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. That's not speaking about you, Believer. It's speaking about those outside. Those who have not yet experienced and entered into eternal rest. Christianity is not self centered. What makes a good shepherd? If you lay down your life, if you're a servant of all. Let's close with Matthew 23. I can't remember what translation I read this morning. Give me a moment. Let's lead New King James, then it makes sense. Verse one, Matthew twenty-three. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. Okay? Do what they say. And do not... um, Sorry. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. So what he's saying is they, they say what to do which is right, but they don't do it. Okay? For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Same writer as Matthew 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. By what? Religion. By the law. By works. By people. Who, men of God... But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their, just yes, you that's a big word, phylacteries broad, that's their clothing, and enlarge the borders of their garments, or that's the prayer boxes. They love the best places at feasts and best seats in the synagogues, greeting in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, rabbi, rabbi. But you do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ. And you are all brethren. That's beautiful. There's no performance. There's no hierarchy of performance. Of there's a, I believe there's definitely um, appointment, there's leadership, there's structure. But it's not about titles. It's not to be seen of men. Jesus said, if you want to be chief, become servant of all. But you do not be called rabbi. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. I'm sure this will preach so lovely in some African countries, won't it? (laughs) But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts him will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For neither you yourself um, go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering in to go. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and to make long prayers. Therefore you will receive great condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as much as a son of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, "Whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing; but whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated to perform it." Now he goes on and, and, and it brings out the ridiculousness of their religion. But what is the heart of God? What is the heart of Jesus? You are not letting my people enter into rest. You are putting heavy burdens on them. Now Jesus said in Matthew 11, "Come to me if you carry a heavy burden." So I'm asking you, have you come to Christ? Who have? I have. Okay, have you come to Christ? So let's end with Matthew 11 now. It says, come to me, all you let labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What is the context that Jesus is teaching? The scribes and the Pharisees. The religion of the day. So now that we have come to Christ... What has He given us? Rest. Rest. You see, we see this like we're going on holiday. Come to Jesus. Going into my prayer closet. I need some rest. Some time in the Word. And then I come out. No, you are living in the presence and the rest of God. I did not give you the spirit of fear. So do not fear that you're missing out on rest. It's ungodly. A good prayer is God. Like Paul prayed. Let the eyes of our hearts be enlightened. Or like Philemon one six. The effectual working of our faith, or the working of our faith becomes effectual. When? Not when we name, proclaim, and scream and beam. When we acknowledge every good thing that is already on the inside of me. God, I need healing. Wow. I looked at my eye and it got worse. You don't sleep a lot, it got even and then your eyes are dry, it, was, it actually started to impair my sight just a little bit. And what did I think? My faith is not working. And then I had this moment where I realized there's something good on the inside of me. And it's called Christ. And if I have Him, I have everything I need. And because I have Him, I now have authority over my body. So my faith did not, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't reach out to faith. I didn't, Grab the fruit of faith. I, did. I had faith. Because faith is a person. Faith is Christ. The author and finisher of faith. He is the beginning and the end. Means he, And he's everything in between. Of what? Of faith. Is God at rest? So why are you working faith? I just feel the Spirit is saying, this is much deeper than we realized this morning. And I know this is going to be difficult for some of you. I I know, because I know what Christianity has been through the last century. I have a little testimony of my eye (laughs) where this worked. Where I realized, I acknowledged the good that was inside of me. Including the author and finisher of faith. And then it became effective. And it worked. And there was a healing manifested. If someone here with me needs to renew your mind to what we shared this morning, would you stand with me? I'm like just humbling myself. And I'm like, Lord, I've I've taught it now, but I need to see more. I need to, to, to dive more into this, Father, because this changes a lot. This changes a lot in terms of how we operate. It's not when we stir up into this screaming prayers that things will happen. No, it's when we realize what's on the inside of us. Jude 1.20 says, But you, beloved, build yourselves up. God's not going to build you up. Founded on your most holy faith. God's not going to give you more faith. Make progress, rise like, and edifies higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. Guard and keep yourselves in the love of God. God's not going to do it. God's not going to stop loving you. Where's your mind? Are you staying in rest? The resting place is you. If God is at rest in you, why are you not? It's almost like, what audacity do we have that we can't be at rest in ourselves if God is at rest in us? The Spirit comes down and abides. It stays. Expect and patiently wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is our expectation? Exodus thirty-three, fourteen, where we started, and He said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Lord, we pray this morning that we just become more aware of your presence. That we become more aware of Christ in us. That we have the faith of Christ, because Christ is faith. That Matthew 11:28, Lord, is, is, is preached before the cross. And yes, if someone here that you've never come to the resting place of Jesus, you've never come to a full laying down of your burdens, of your efforts, of the weights of the sins that's been holding you back that Hebrews 12 even speaks about, this is your moment. This is your moment to labor, meaning be birthed. This is the moment where you can get born again. How do you get born again? You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God. You believe that He came to earth to pay for our sins, that He died on a cross, that He was buried in a tomb, that He was raised, resurrected, ascended, and He went to the right hand of the Father and He poured out His Spirit so that we could all become brothers and sisters, brethren of whom? Sons and daughters of God. Nothing you do, The gospel did not profit them because they did not mix what they heard with faith. If you believe that, then welcome to rest for the rest of your life. Now the problem becomes our minds. But at least now we know that we're not waiting on God. We're just waiting to... Working at waking up to what we call. You can find more of our free teachings on our website www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Stalinbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet visit our website www.gracelife.co